I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. readings are from Mark chapters 1 through verses 1 through 8 and chapter 13 verses 24 through 31. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written by the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance from the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed in camel's hair with a leather, leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The second reading uh, from the chapter 13, verses 24 through 31. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened. And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. 
Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the, the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves. You know the summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. I don't know if you've noticed it in today's text, but there always seems to be two different weather patterns kind of colliding on the first Sunday of Advent. The first is this like happy, high pressure front. Today is the first day of, of a new season. It's like New Year's Day for Christians. The first Sunday of the new year, which sets our sights on the birth of the Messiah just four weeks from now. What, what good news that is. Christ is coming. It's time to get the nursery ready and reorder our priorities because every urgent thing in your life is about to kneel before the one important thing that wants to be born anew in you. Emmanuel, which is to say the God in you, the God in the person sitting next to you, the God with us and above us and below us and among us, willing to be made known through us and at the same time willing to become like small enough that we can hold in our arms. This baby is on the way. But there also seems to be this stormy, low-pressure front coming in, causing a bit of, of turbulence this morning. Christ is still coming, but did you hear it? He's, he's coming in a cloud this time. This morning's gospel also turns out to be a wake-up call. And it may take a while for us to hear the good news today. The gospel reading you just heard was from Mark's gospel, and it begins with John the Baptist singing his song into the night. It's the song we hear every Advent from that wilderness prophet, that wilderness wanderer, John. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready. Watch out. Wake up. Prepare the way of the Lord. Go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Prepare the way. John, John doesn't just sing this song. He, he sends us out to sing it. Go tell it on, on your mountains, your valleys, on your highways and byways of the God and Jesus Christ. But what is this good news that we, that we sing, that we tell? What is this song we're singing on the mountain? Well, well, it's... It's in that when these two 
weather fronts collide. Did you hear it this morning? In the second half of our reading this morning, Mark gives some, some substance, some meat to this song. Jesus now has come and he's in the temple in Jerusalem where there are a bunch of people standing around remarking on what a grand place this is and how grand it is for them to be there. And for some reason, this irritates Jesus. The wealth, the splendor, the, the gawking. It all seems so wrong to him that he decides this is the perfect opportunity to do some teaching. Before people could head down to the gift shop and get their souvenir postcard for the temple or talk about where they're going to get lunch afterwards, Jesus says something loud enough for those standing around him to hear. Don't get too attached, he says, because it is all coming down. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the heavens and the, the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then you will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Earth and sea in an uproar, global panic, the threat of doom, the powers quaking. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't need much reminding about the dark things. I hear them on the, on the radio every morning, right? I, I hear them on the news every night, and my news feed is full of them. This is why over the last five years, the Hallmark TV channel has skyrocketed to the top tier of cable with offerings such as... A love comes softly and heartfelt dreams and from the heart. As different as these dramas are, what they have in common are their happy endings. The characters in them always seem to do the right thing. The problems are resolved without anyone really getting hurt. Sweethearts finally fall in love in the end. And it was two years ago that Hall the Hallmark Network rated ratings actually surpassed CNN. And with Christmas up ahead, Hallmark is bound to be neck and neck again with Fox and ESPN. And I totally get it. We're living in scary times, right? It's hard to imagine anyone who, who can avoid the palpable anxiety that pervades right now. mentioned the 2020 election over a Zoom Thanksgiving call with your great aunt. He'll be talking about the end of Western democracy by dessert. There are a lot of ways people handle their anxiety. And the Hallmark Channel is probably the most benign. But since we're gathered for church this morning... There is really good reason to return to the gospel teaching for its clues on just what song of hope, just what tell it on a mountain John the Baptist and Mark, knowing Jesus, would have us sing in our anxiety.
The best guess is that Mark's gospel dates to the last decades of the first century, which means that he had lived through the end of his world a couple of times over. Like, not just the crucifixion of Jesus, but but also the execution of Peter and James and Paul and the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and Nero's persecution of the early church and the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79, which rocked the ancient world with a 100,000 times more thermal energy than the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki combined. Mark was not an eyewitness to all of these things. No, like us, he... He got most of his headlines from a distance. But Doomsday was not lurking somewhere in the future for him. It was past. It was was present. It was the reality in which he wrote his gospel, doing his best to set down the saving news of Jesus for those who were caught up in it too. And how did Jesus speak to their anxiety? Most importantly, he didn't tell them to cut it out. He said people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. And when you see these things take place, you know that God is near. Who could have known that better than Jesus? Terrible things happen. And you would have to be made out of metal instead of flesh to be fearless in the face of what might happen next. And Jesus knew that. On one of the lowest nights of his life, he asked to be spared from what was coming next. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. And at the same time, he knew that was not his call. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So this is huge, friends, to know that the one we call Lord and Savior also knew fear and foreboding. He was was made of, of tender flesh just like we are. Even he had to learn what could be changed and what could not be changed. If his courage was superior to ours, it wasn't because he was anxiety free, but because he kept moving on in spite of it. But he also knew God, God was up to something that involved breaking, breaking before it involved mending, which means that the, the terrible things were not all coming from, from some external enemy. That tumult Jesus was, was warning people about, uproar and panic and doom, it wasn't being caused by some malignant assault from the underworld, but by the gravitational pull of the kingdom of God drawing near ever closer. When you see these things taking place, you will know that God is near, that redemption is drawing near, Jesus said. And I know this is mind-bending for those of us who think we know what redemption looks like who believe we are competent to judge whether something is coming from the enemy or from God, but there you have it from Jesus. Jesus' life-saving news is that our redemption is embedded in the things that cause us the greatest anxiety. Go Go back a second to my metaphor at the beginning 
of, of the colliding weather patterns of the first Sunday of Advent. Think back. Think back to the, to the last time that you hit some really like rough air. Rough air to make, you know, overhead compartments pop open. Maybe make you grab the arm seats of your chair and look around a bit on the flight to see if anybody else looks as unsettled as you feel at this moment. The minute you realize there's nothing you can do about any of this, your, your priorities change pretty fast. The, the, the humanity of the person in the seat next to you can become as precious to you as your own. Her survival can become inseparable from your own. And then, and then the plane eventually evens out and you both go back to reading your magazines. But I'll tell you, there's nothing like some big time turbulence to teach you how to pray. You can learn about, about what you care most deeply about, what matters most in moments like that. And it's not losing your luggage or missing your next flight. That's what Jesus does. Since Jesus isn't attached to the same things that we're attached to, he can take the God view. He can sing the God song, which is about more than redeeming our individual selves. God means to redeem the world, which is going to require some major teardowns before the global renewal project can, can go forward. In this view, there is, it is some divine bulldozing to be done. Some cos cosmic asbestos removal to be completed before the world is safe for God's creation to live in again. This is what John the Baptist would have us prepare for. This is the highway he wants us to make straight. He would have us go tell it on a mountain that all the systems and all the powers and all the economies that keep us separated into first class and coach, they're already doomed. All the tribal politics that, that thrive on making us fear and loathe each other, every kind of religion that demonizes the stranger or devalues the poor, it's all coming down. All of it. Jesus won't soften the message, but he does rebrand the message. And he says, when you see these things taking place, you will know that God and God's kingdom is near that it's not Satan coming in the cloud or your most despised politician coming in the cloud or the mother of all hurricanes coming in the cloud. It's him, the son of man, coming in power and great glory. And if you let that in, then you have opened the door for God to sanctify your anxiety and your fear. The last thing that John and Mark and Jesus would warn us of today the last stanza of this strange song of hope they're singing is that it's so important that you not let your worries make you check out while you're waiting on this redemption. That's something Jesus also knows about, how likely we all are to cover our heads when it's time to raise them, to stop singing when it's time to prepare the way for the Lord, when it's time to tell it on the mountain. When, when, when the turbulence gets really bad, it is so tempting, Jesus knows, to retire 
from as much reality as we can. You know how it works. Lower the, the, the room darkening shades, settle in for a full season of some other world that's not your own on the giant screen, cover the counters with empty pizza boxes and scroll and fill your Amazon Prime card. Do anything that works to take your mind off of what's really going on. Some people even use church to take their minds off of reality. But none of us have come here for snuggles and hot chocolate and fuzzy blankets and happy endings. We have come here today for some kind of truth we're not getting anywhere else in our lives. And as hard as it may sometimes be to hear Jesus, Jesus promises it will save us. Because the one who is coming to us in the son of Mary in a manger comes again as the son of man in a cloud. And not just once, but over and over and over and over until kingdom comes. Mark thought the world was coming to an end in his time. Grave diggers during the Black Plague were sure it was happening in their time. Soldiers in the Great War thought that they were living in the last days. During the last hours of 1999, millions of people prepared for doom as the clock swept toward Y2K. Maybe the end is always coming at us in some form or another so that every generation gets some practice at apocalypse before we pass away. That's, that's what Jesus says today anyway. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, Jesus says. This is the heart of his teaching, friends, about how to live with anxiety and still sing the song that John and Jesus are singing today, that while everything else in heaven and earth is bound to come to an end, Jesus' words will not. They will go on making sounds even if there is no one left to hear them. In the meantime, there is a, a deathlessness about them that holds out its hands to us, giving us a way to live even when we are scared to death. And when the babe is born a few weeks from now, he won't be nearly as articulate as this Jesus is that we meet in the temple today. All he'll be able to do is cry for his mother's milk and maybe curl his fingers around, around Joseph's finger. But this song of hope will be forming in him, along with so many others you need to hear, so that when he speaks them at last, we will not only be able to hear them coming out of his mouth, but also see them leafing out in his life, a way of life, a song he commends to us too. It's the kind of life, friends, we can live in and through and beyond the headlines while we stand up wide awake and full of purpose and ready to prepare the way of the Lord's reign and compelled to go tell it on a mountain. I offer this to you in the name 
of God the Father, the name of Christ his Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you received this week a, 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 an Advent bag, which if you're a regular part of our congregation, you should have received one on, on your porch. In that Advent bag was the, the, the Advent wreath that we lit earlier today. But also in that Advent bag were, was communion. We want to tune in to this God um, who, who meets us today in, in a baby and in the cloud. We want to tune into this God who meets us at the table, in our homes, online, in a church, when we're virtual and when we're not. This is a season where we, we tune our hearts towards that God who we will meet in the manger. And one of the ways we're going to do that today is, is by taking communion. And so I, I ask that you would join me in, in, this, in this beautiful prayer this morning. Uh, these are pre-blessed. Uh, we've already um, consecrated these elements, and and now we, we pray before you receive. And so I ask that you would join me in these words, friends, that you see on the screen. Christ, our Lord and Savior, as we await the day when we celebrate the Bethlehem birth, we are blessed this day to celebrate Holy Communion. This bread and cup which you give to us, our food for our spiritual journey together. Let it nourish our spirits, remind us of our need for grace, and bring us together as the body of Christ. Help us to prepare not just our homes, but our hearts for Christmas. This season is not about what the world wants, but about what the world needs. You are the eternal sign of God's grace. You alone are our salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.